<laughs> Please, let's try it again. Please welcome Pastor Tiffany Brown. Good morning, Metro. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're grateful to be called your children. It is an honor and a privilege. And today, Lord, would you remind us why you called us. And we thank you, Lord, that your view of us is the right one. Help us to step into it with confidence, with patience, and with courage. In Jesus' name, amen. It is my honor uh, to speak to you today. Um, um, I'm especially proud. Uh, it's so funny, the last couple of weeks I've been thinking about uh, the beginning of Frederick and I's relationship and the man who he was versus the man who he is. And um, man, it's special to me that uh, you kept your word. In our second conversation, he said he was going to do this, and he kept his word. Ladies, those of you who are hoping and wishing to be married, find you somebody who will keep his word. Uh, I won't, uh, I don't think I'm going to yell at you today. <laughs> My mama says she don't believe it. <laughs> but I do want to speak to both parents and children sorry, parents and students today, and hopefully you can find yourself on one side of the spectrum or the other, but of course, like, uh, like I do, I'd like to show you something. So a lot of parents have had this experience. You send your kid off to college, you're proud. Dylan got into Duke, we're so happy. And then the kid comes back and hates not only you, but the country and himself and the chances of that child having a happy, productive personal life go to about zero. That's the fruit of liberal arts in this country now. So it's a very common experience, but one mother decided to try and fix it. She sent her daughter to attend Mount Holyoke University of Massachusetts tuition, over 50K a year. The child comes back totally programmed, like a cult member. So the mom spends 300 bucks a day for a deprogrammer to undo the brainwashing, and it worked. Annabella Rockwell is the daughter. She graduated Mount Holyoke. She's now the development director at PragerU. She joins us tonight. Annabella, thank you so much for coming on. So deprogram suggests undoing unreasonable religious belief. Did, did you feel like a, like a cult member after Mount Holyoke? Tucker, thank you so much for having me. First, I'm going to say that I arrived at Mount Holyoke bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, so excited to be there in 2011. And as soon as I got there, I was told that, you know, I should refer to myself as a first year, not a freshman, because we were at historically women's college. I was left a note in my mailbox saying, he may be a she, she may be a he, don't assume anyone's gender. And I thought, oh, okay, like that's new. Uh, and then the last thing was we had the moho chop, which was this ritualistic haircut that people did in the first semester where everyone would shave their head um, sort of as an act of rebellion. So to answer your question, yes. I mean, as time went on and I studied history, I became completely brainwashed into believing that I was oppressed by our toxic patriarchal society 
And I left school, I was sad, anxious, intellectually starving, and by 2015 when I graduated, I completely estranged myself from my family. Yeah, well that's, um, that is underneath yeah. it all, we joke about the lunacy on college campuses, but the real cost is not that they'll vote Democrat, the real cost is that they won't love their parents anymore. And that's, that's the most upsetting mm -hmm. part of it, I think. So how did you get better? So in this panic of me not communicating with my mother, she consulted a cult specialist. Uh, this person gave her devastating statistics that most people don't make it out, but a glimmer of hope that it tends to be young women who do. So she spoke to him and he made it very clear to her, do not affirm your daughter's newfound identity. You know her best, she is your child, don't affirm yes. her. Yes. So she was taught how to communicate with me. Now, to actually be deprogrammed, I had to humble myself. A couple things, I reconnected with my family. I moved home, I asked for forgiveness, I admitted I was wrong. Secondly, I made a lifestyle change, I stopped drinking, I started to believe in God again. And lastly, I had to unlearn my four years of wokeism by watching five-minute PragerU videos on, online for free. <laughs> Amazing. It is a cult. Its aim is to separate you from the people who love you most. And I just, I, I'm, I'm so impressed and have such respect for your mother for taking it as seriously as it deserves to be taken and for you for getting out of it. Annabelle Rockwell of PragerU, thank you so much for coming on. Interesting idea that college would be considered a cult. Um, I've got a, a, you know me, all right? So I'm still the same me. Uh, I've got a, I feel more um, conviction, then I feel urgency regarding, every time I get an opportunity to speak and people are influenced to tell the truth. Uh, because, it's, because the world is built on selling you a lie. Um, I went to, like uh, Dad said, I went to Spelman uh, College, and uh, the first year, the first, uh, actually, yeah, first couple of semesters, I was required to take a class called African Diaspora and the World. And the interesting thing about it was, what, about my collegiate experience, is that um, when I started at Spelman, I did a continued education, so I wasn't, I didn't start as a 17, eight-year-old, eight, 18-year-old, so I was very aware of what was happening to me. Um, and I'm sitting in a room of teenagers, and I was probably about 21, and uh, I already felt out of place. You know how I always talk about how awkward I feel, in, especially in situations where I don't know a lot of people. And, uh, but I'm sitting in the class, and I'm very aware, very keenly aware, that the, that the class that every single student is required to take uh, is indoctrinating us to, do, to be dichotomists. That is to separate old and young, men and women, white and black, um, and, and every uh, young and old, and it was specific towards that, but it was clothed in the, in the, it was like a sheep and wolf clothing in that it was, they were trying to educate us. And out of it birthed a, uh, a newsletter that I call Butt Naked. Uh, it may, it, it, because it, it upset me so bad. It upset me for two reasons. Number one, it upset me because I wasn't able to articulate the opposite. 
I wasn't able to answer the questions. I knew what they were saying was wrong, but I couldn't articulate why. And therefore, I felt like I could not protect myself from the indoctrination that was happening in that moment. The other thing that made me upset was because I knew that those who were around me were eating it up. Um, and so I developed butt naked, nothing, B-U-T, the naked truth. And uh, whatever made me mad that month, I, I, I wrapped it in the kingdom of God and I wrapped it in the word of God and I exposed the lies that I believed that they were trying to indoctrinate us. And I knew that I was doing pretty good when I'd go to class and they would say things like, we're not trying to indoctrinate you. We just want you to think for yourselves. Your parents have taught you this and that all of your life, but have you ever questioned what they taught you? And I believe in that season of my life, it was the truth, the love, the, the hunger to want to know the truth was birthed in that season. What I do, back then, uh, I, wasn't, I didn't have a, you didn't take a computer class. You took paper. You know what that is? You took paper and a, and a pen or a pencil and you wrote. And you know that outside of that margin on, on a, the regular paper, the outside margin? I would use that margin. I would write my questions. And I'd go home and I'd say, well, what about when this, I'd go and i talk to my father. When, this, when they say this, what does this mean and how do I answer this? And these are the questions that keep coming up every week that I have to sit under these people. <laughs> and I couldn't, because I didn't know how to question it. That was the beginning of my love for the truth. First, I'd like to speak to the parents found a, a cool story, just one chapter that I'd like to look at today, if that's okay with you. Will you go down this little trail with me this morning? Daniel chapter 1, we're going to talk about what happened and maybe some things that we can gain as parents and then also those of us who are still students, we can gain as well. Is that all right? All right, do me a favor. We're going to look at Daniel chapter 1. We're going to go verse by verse and uh, let's let the Lord speak to us. So go ahead and do me a favor. Go ahead and take that finger. Uh, because you heard this story before. I know you have. Go ahead, take your finger, whichever one you left handed. So daddy and y'all, y'all, y'all got to do y'all left hand. Whoever, if you're right hand, take your finger. I say take your finger. I'm not playing. Take your finger. I'm talking to you. Your finger, you got it? There it is. All right. Tap your battery. Uh, 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 so you can hear something new this morning. That all right? <laughs> do you like that, Auntie? <laughs> all right, Daniel 1. It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of, Ju of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of, of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Chapter 2, and the Lord handed Jehoiakim, king of Judah, over to him along with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. Did a little bit of research about Babylon. Dad, check me, see if I did okay. Found a verse when I looked at uh, this word Babylon. Took me directly to Revelation 14.8. And this is what it says really simply. It says, and another angel, a second one following, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who has made all the nations drink 
of the wine of the passions of her sexual immorality. So I started thinking about this issue of Babylon. Found a couple of things that I thought was super interesting. So what I'm going to do, students, today is I just want to go ahead and, and expose the agenda. Is that all right? Let me just expose the agenda for you so that when you go in there, you don't go in there but naked. But you go in there knowing exactly what it is that you are facing and therefore what you must do as a result of where you're going. Listen close. One of the first things that you're going to do, that the spirit of Babylon is going to do when you get there, I promise you, is they're going to give you indoctrination in lieu of your education. It's like saying, man, I love that Kendrick Lamar, that Beyonce beat. But I promise you, you can't listen to the beat without hearing the lyrics. And I promise you, they will give you information that you will need, and there, it will be shrouded and clothed in indoctrination that is exactly opposite what, of what I know you have been raised to believe and to know. You will come into contact with sexual debauchery. Do me a favor and load a dictionary on your phone. Because I promise you, they're going to sell you some words that you probably never heard before. And it's very, and maybe even words you've heard before, but the, the, the changing, the, the, um, the, the, the definitions are different. I remember when it was politically okay to say the word queer. Now it's, Lord Jesus, I mean, I got to keep moving. I got a lot to do today. You will be exposed to sexual debauchery. Debauchery is a word that means excessive indulgence in sensual pleasures. I promise you, I'm going, to, going somewhere. In college, they promise you they're going to try and redefine the purpose of marriage. And the way they're going to do it is they're going to encourage you to date as many people as you can. But let me expose the agenda. Dating as many as you can, is according to your American way, trains you for divorce. Because as soon as somebody upsets you or pisses you off or hurts your feelings, you're ready to go and say, I ain't going to be able to do it. But I promise you, after you say, I do, if you say yes, if you say, I do, as a commitment to the Lord, your emotions have nothing to do as to whether or not you are committed to the person. And I promise you, in college, you're going to get an opportunity for that, or an opportunity to be tempted to redefine what the purpose of marriage is. I want to expose the agenda. I want to expose the racial idolatry that you will, that you will incur. Somebody put their hand up back there. Because I promise you, they're going to tell you that white people are privileged and, uh, and black people are the, are the, uh, are the victims and, and that you ought to be woke. Just to say that is, is wrong English. Somebody ought to get a clue. Those wokeisms are lies. Have mercy, I gotta keep going. I promise you they're going to try and disconnect you from your family. It's an agenda and it's an onslaught against the purpose of God for your life. Tell you what this, what's gonna happen with regard to your faith. Your faith is gonna be called ridiculous, a ridiculous wish 
in a non-existent being who does not care about the suffering of humanity. A life of faith is, or a life of holiness as is an impossible myth that no one can ever live. It's a lie. It's, it, they're going to try, try to tell you that a life of faith is boring and religious and irrelevant to human society. They're going to tell you that faith is a prison to your humanity and that faith is just wishful thinking. I promise you it is a lie. They're going to tell you that your body belongs to you and that it's yours to do with it what you want, that whomever you do and with whomever you want, that the consequences of these decisions will not affect the rest of your life. It's a lie. Oh, but you have a story to tell. You really want to tell that story? They're going to tell you that College is for you, and it's supposed to be self-centered, and that no one is watching you. It is a lie. Daniel 1 through 3, Psalm 1, 3 through 7, it says, then the, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the king of the officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family of the nobles, youth in, youths in whom, whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had the ability of, of, for serving in the king's court. He ordered him to teach them uh, the literature and the language of the Chaldeans' parents. Did I describe some of your children? Good looking, intelligent, understanding, wise. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which, which he drank and appointed that they should be educated three years at the end of it which they would, were to enter into the king's personal service. Verse 6, now among them was the sons of Judah, which I thought was interesting, where Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, then the commander of the officials assigned a new assigned new names to, he assigned new names to them. And to them he gave, he said, uh, uh, to Daniel he assigned Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael he, was, he assigned Meshach, and to Azariah he, he assigned a bad Negro. Is that what it says? <laughs> Parents. I want you to understand, this is who I'm talking to first. Are you listening? They want your children. Specifically the ones from Judah. Isn't that interesting? Because we're the best. We're the ones without defect, the good-looking ones, the suitable for instruction. Because you took a, the, let me say it uh, if I can, my, the way my daddy said it. You took the, uh, the rod of correction to the seat of their learning. So they're suitable for instruction, endowed with understanding. Uh, Christopher, come here. Did you hear me? That's it. That's what she said. Now, if you answer, you ain't got no excuse. That's what I'm talking about my mama. The way she ra raised us. She didn't say it again and again. I'm going to count to three. What? I promise you, your boss is not going to count to three. 
trying to help you this morning. Your children are discerning of knowledge. They have an ability to serve. Why? Because you brought them in this house and said, go on back there and do what they tell you to do. Pick up these chairs. Stay here while everybody else gone. Help us figure it out. They want your children. Let me tell you about the, the, the enemy's agenda. Four things that I, that I see. Let me see, is it four? Yep, four things that I see in, in uh, the Babylon spirit. I'm tell you what the, uh, the, what the enemy's agenda is. Number one, I took these from the verses that I just said. Number one is to force them to read the literature and the language of the enemy's culture. Let me tell you why. Because whomever controls the culture, sorry, whoever controls the language controls the culture. And that's why they're redefining words. It's easier to abort a fetus than it is a baby. Trying to help you this morning. They say CRT. Don't tell you what it really, really means or what it implies and what it's all up in there. What they're going to say, I'm telling you right now. You mark my words. Text me when you hear it. What they're going to say is studies show. I want to know who did the study. And I, and I want to know from what perspective were they looking at it. And what exactly were they trying to prove. I promise you, nobody is completely objective. You can use the Bible to prove what you want. They do it all the time. Number two, the, the enemy's agenda is to choose, and I think I just said it, to choose what you ingest. You will be required to read, to understand, and to come up with your own opinion. Don't you back down. I'm supposed to be talking to the parents right now. I'm talking to y'all too. Don't back down when your opinion opposes theirs. Check this out. Number three is to keep them, parents, I'm talking to your parents, to keep the children, the, the students, please forgive me for calling you children because you're not children anymore. To keep the students long enough to get out of them what you spent 17, 18 years to sow and invest in them. Interesting when I thought about this, usually school is like, um, Four years at this point, uh, but depending on what you what you do, you know, you really could spend three years. That's not the point. But the Lord said to me really quickly is, uh, parents, to give you a little bit of hope, is how long did Jesus take to, uh, how long did he take to train his team? Three years. So whether it's good or bad, three years is all it takes. It's a whole nother deal. We can't talk about that right now. Number four, the first thing that, Nebuchadnezzar did to them is he changed their name. Let me tell you what the enemy's agenda is. That's to change and eradicate your identity. He wanted to remove everything Hebrew and Godward from them. He wanted to separate them from, their, from the traditions that, that keep them holy. He wanted there to be a chasm between what you have taught and what now he will teach them. Parents, I'm speaking to you, especially those of you who have children who haven't gone to college yet. You got a little bit more time. Be careful with what you do have. 
Shadrach means I am fearful. Meshach means I Shadrach means I am fearful. Meshach means I am despised. Abednego is a servant of Nigo or Dibbo. Nibbo is a, is, a, is a god of scribes. Parents, be careful to instill the word of God in your children. This will give them stability and standards when the false philosophies come to test them. I'm telling you, the test is coming. Wake up, Teriah. Students, I need to talk to you now. Daniel 1, verse 8 through 16, this is what it says. But Daniel made up his, his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine that which, which he drank. He sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted uh, Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord, the king, who has, the, who has appointed your food and your drink. For why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who, are, who uh, are your own age? I want you to see that it is a competition. I want you to be very clear. Where you're going, it is going to be a competition. It's a competition. Even if the competition ain't in the classroom, I tell you it's a competition between heaven and between hell. I got to keep reading. Then you, would, then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. This is what the, the official said. He said, if, if, you don't, if, if I don't serve you what the king says, you, he might take my head. Verse 11. But Daniel said to the overseer whom the commander of the official had appointed over, over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The verse 12 says, please test your servants for 10 days and let us be given some vegetables to eat and some water to drink. And then let us let our appearance be observed in your presence and the presence of the youths who are eating the king's choice foods and deal with your servants according to what you see. Verse 14, so we listened, the, the commander listened to Daniel uh, in this matter and tested them for 10 days. Verse 15, at the end of the 10 days, their appearance seemed better and they were fatter than all the other youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold the choice of food and wine that they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. Here's what I want you to remember, students. Make up in your mind that you will not be defiled by the enemy's, by the enemy's culture. Make up in your mind. Know down in your knower. Decide not to be defiled by the enemy's culture. From these verses, this is what I found. You decide what you feed yourself. What they might feed you will, might feel like a defilement but everything that glitters ain't gold. I want you to remember the word of God and how necessary it is for your life. Tina, check me. I remember this one time when you were in the beginning of, of your collegiate career and I remember a conversation that you had with my dad and it was about, I may have been in high school, the end of high school, um, about how to remember all that 
you had to remember. And I don't know if you remember what my father said to you. Do you remember what he said to you? What did he say to you? He said, read the word of God before I start my material. Read the word of God first. And that will affect even how I remember. What they're going to try to tell you is to lose sleep. But I'm telling you to dive headlong into the word of God. Having trouble with it? Hit me up. I'll give you something. Students, make a decision not to defile yourself, and God will give you favor. You're going to need favor with your professors. You're going to need favor with your advisors. You're going to be favor. You're going to need favor with the TAs. Those are the ones that serve the professors, so that the professors don't have to do all the work. You're going to need favor with your friends. You're going to need favor from God. Defy. Decide not to defile yourself. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you what's going to happen. God is going to back you up. Because I promise you the test is coming. But if you choose not to defile yourself, God will back you up. Daniel 1, 17, as for these four youths, just the four of them, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. And Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Choose not to defy yourself. And I promise you, you will, you will not only gain the ability to good, get good grades, but you will develop your life in the spirit, which you will need all your life. Here's the deal. The trick is, like Morgan was saying, uh, when mom and dad said no, it feels like your life is over. Now, those of us who are in our 40s and 50s know how asinine that is. But when you are in the middle of living what you feel like because you've seen on TV what the life of a student is going to be and, and your folks shut it down, it feels like life is over. But I promise you, it is not. Man, we were just talking about it this morning. When you abide in God, this is John 15, when you abide in God and his word abides in you, that, that, that abiding will guide even what you're asking. So whatever you ask. God will say yes and amen. Why? Because God's word abides in you. Choose not to be defiled. I promise you the option is coming. Verse 19, 18. Then the end of the day, then the at the end of days, which the king had specified for presentation, for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them all to Nebuchadnezzar. If you make up your mind not to be defiled, God will give you an unusual aptitude for understanding. I promise you, you're going to need it. Now, I'm, I'm one of those. I was a uh, lib liberal arts. That was a, I, I had an English degree. Let me tell you what it means. If you give me a letter that equals a number, 
I am confused. X is the first word in xylophone. Doesn't mean 13, I'm sorry. Now give me a word and I can give you a book. You know what I'm talking about? Whichever, wherever your aptitude is, God will help you if you don't defile yourself. He'll make it really, may not be easy, because a part of college, uh, what, it, what it is, is to see if you can be focused on one thing and finish. It's a part of what you have to do. Verse 19, the king talked to them, and out of all of the, out of everybody, Daniel, Hananiah, and Mishael, Ezraiah, those were the only ones that entered the king's personal guard. Check this out. If you choose not to defy yourself, you will get the job. You will get the job. Verse 20, last verse. And as for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, that is the four Hebrew boys, he found them ten times better. And then all better than all of the magicians and the conjurers who were all in the realm. It didn't matter what their age was. What mattered is that they did not defile themselves. If you look a little bit further into the story, you see that there came a moment when Nebuchadnezzar, actually when um, Daniel stayed with the king and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were put over Babylon. And, and Nebuchadnezzar raised a, uh, he raised a, what do you call it? This, the, uh, the, the golden idol, the statue, that's the word. And uh, he gave an um, a edict. All, when, the, when the music plays, I'm telling y'all, they are after your children. When the music plays, you, you feel what I'm saying? When the music plays, everybody, about, I'm, 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 that's not what I, I'm, 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 I didn't. When the music plays, everybody bow down. And these three Hebrew boys, they decided not to defile themselves, even when it came to death. Man. What's fire about this story, this is in Daniel 2 and 3. If you can, you can look at it on your own time. What I love about this story, there was a moment that I thought was kind of interesting. And uh, it's in Daniel. And, and okay, so, so, so somebody told on them. I'm telling you, don't you make the mistake of believing nobody's watching you. They're all watching you. Somebody told on them, right? And they said, King, them Hebrew boys, those Hebrew boys, they over there doing the exact opposite of what, you, of what you said to do. And when the music plays, they don't bow down. 
they stand straight up. They are choosing not to defile themselves. Ken, you're supposed to do something about this. Hello? Uh. There was a moment. So what, what he said was, if you don't bow down, we're going to fire this, uh, this furnace up, and we're going to throw everybody inside the furnace that doesn't bow down to this God. Did you see what I'm saying? Talking about? And so when the, when the three Hebrew boys did not bow down, they said, all right, fire it up. They fired that thing up so hot. Now the fire, check this out, the fire was meant to kill the Hebrew boys as a uh, 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 punishment for them, not, for them not bowing down. You understand what I'm saying? You see, I keep doing it because they understand what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. All right, verse 6 of chapter 3. But whoever does not fall down and worship, worship shall immediately be thrown in the middle of the furnace of the blazing fire. Therefore, as soon as all the people heard the sound of the, of the flute, everybody bowed. I'm going to skip a couple of verses. Mm. 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 It's coming. It's coming. Hold on one second. Stand by, Houston. Here we go. Verse 9, they began to speak and said, Nebuchadnezzar the king, O king, live forever. You, O king, have the decree that every person who hears the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, and uh, trigon, or trigon, uh, psaltery, and the bagpipes, and all the other musical instruments, is a fall down and worship the golden statue. Verse 11, but whoever does not fall down and worship shall be thrown into the middle of the firmness and, and the blazing fire. Verse 12, there are, there are certain Jews whom you said, put over, you put in control, uh-huh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have disregarded you that they, that they uh, do not serve your gods, nor do they worship the golden statue which you set up. Don't be scared to tell people who you are. It will draw a chasm between you and them, especially if they're trying to. I promise you there are people who are waiting, waiting, waiting to test to see whether or not what, what you believe, whether or not it's true. Verse 10, 13, then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave orders to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He tried it again. Let me blow, blow the trumpets again, right? He blowed all the trumpets, and the music came up. Everybody went down. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not in need of an answer to give you concerning this matter. You can try it again if you want to. It don't matter about what you're going to do. I promise you the result is going to be the same. That's what they said to the king. Verse 17, if you do so, God, whom our God, whom we serve, is able to rescue us from the firmness of the burning fire, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if, if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods and worship you in your golden statue that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath, and his facial expression was changed towards, for, towards the three Hebrew boys. He gave them the order to heat the fire up seven times. Check this out. I thought this was super interesting. They, get, they got the order to heat the fire seven times, and he ordered certain valiant warriors who were in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to throw them into the burning fire. Check this out. 
Then these men who were tied up in their trousers, they had all their clothes on, verse 22, for this reason, the king, because of the king's command, was harsh and the furnace had not been made extremely hot. Check this out. I thought this was so interesting. Verse 22, for this reason, because the king's command was harsh and furnished had been made extremely hot, the flame of the fire killed those who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So the fire that was meant to punish those who did not defile themselves was heated up higher. To me, it turned, it wasn't when they walked into the furnace. It was in that moment that that fire was something else. Because what was meant for the enemy ended up burning up the enemy. All right. All of that to say, college will be a fire. College will be an opportunity for you to make a decision about whether or not you're going to defile your, defy yourself. And I know you've been itching to get out your mama house, get from up under your father's hand. But I promise you, if you do the things that you've been hoping and wishing to do that are, because I don't want to paint the picture that all of y'all are just going to hell in a handbasket, that's not the truth. But I promise you, if you go, go to college and you start, decide to go along with the crowd, you will regret it. I know all you can see is what's on your, in your hand in terms of your screen. That's your only view of life. But I promise you, there's an entire life there's an entire purpose and call that God wants you to live. What would the Hebrew boys say to us today? And I'm just about done. That faith, true faith in the fear is, sorry, true faith is the fear of the Lord, which is to love what God loves and to hate what he hates. A life who follows the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who is obedient to his word and therefore will experience that adventure of a lifetime and that adventure may not be as most call what is popular but you will absolutely have no regrets you will accomplish fully a fully filled entire life of success and when you die you will be confident that God will say well done good and faithful servant family the Hebrew boys would tell us that the family is the purpose for monogamous romantic relationship in marriage not your per, not for your sorry that marriage let me say it good for so everybody because I'm not just talking to him let me take everybody the purpose of marriage the purpose of a monogamous romantic relationship in marriage is not for your personal loneliness but family is the bedrock of society and is God's change agent in the earth don't you let them separate you from your mama and from your father 
It is the beginning of your identity, and separating yourself from God's source of your identity is not smart. I didn't want to call you stupid. I just said it's not smart. In fact, it will only make things easier. Separating yourself from them will only make things make it easier for you to live a life without God. And that will get you burned by the fire of American culture's indoctrination of, and a redefinition of family. For your fitness, these days, sexual immorality will kill you. Check me. It used to be you could go and get a pill or a shot for that. Today, it'll kill you. They don't talk about AIDS that much no more. Oh, but it's still running rampant. P I or P H what? H P D. H P V. Uh huh. That one. Cancer of the of the extremities. You understand? It's gonna kill you. But most importantly, what I want you to know, because it's not just about your sexual immorality, I need you to understand that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And you better respect it as such. And to treat it any less of respect is sin. I'm challenging you to be sober, to eat your vegetables, to exercise, and do your best to get some sleep as much as you can even though the next four, four years might be tough. Finances, this is what the Hebrew boys would tell you today. Your job is to get good grades. That average is the enemy of best. And money doesn't do anything but magnify your character. So prove that you can be disciplined with your time. Seek to be a solver of problems and not a creator of them. Focus on answering God's Call when he calls your name and be purpose-driven and always be aware of his assignment for your life. But it is more grand than the next four years. Then God will see your collegiate career as you passing the test and give you a lifetime of great blessings and success. As far as how you influence people, everyone is watching you. Don't you, don't you lie to yourself. Everybody is watching you. And most importantly, God is watching you. Standing at the end, I want you to see the image in your head. Standing at the end, at the foot of the bed, watching you. Huh, I want you to see that. <laughs> I want my voice to come through your head when you, uh-huh, just trying to help you. God is watching you, and he wants you to know that if you're going to do something with the wonderful, that you're going to do something with that wonderful personality that God, that he's given you. And he, wants, he wants to know if the blood that he invested to make sure that you were dope would be returned in you influencing others to follow him. Because if God can trust you with influence, money ain't a thing. makes me nervous to send our children away in the climate of this culture. 
parents don't be disconnected all they need their own experiences please believe they're going to go get it and they need your connection I'm not trying I'm not saying be a helicopter parent mm-hmm you know what that is don't you hovering over hovering over every darn thing and what you doing now and, and what you doing now and then what you gonna do <laughs> right FaceTime me <laughs> parents let me tell you something. You better trust the seeds that you planted in their lives. Solomon wrote, and the Lord promises. What's the one? Train up a child in the way they should not stay. They got to go. And then what will happen? They will what? Not depart from, sorry, not depart from you, because they will go. <laughs> they got to go, but they will not depart from it. Parents who don't have college students yet, those of you who are just in middle school and high school, you got some time. Those of you who are sending your children away, the time is now for you to trust the seeds and the training that you gave them and pray <laughs> like, like everything depends on you. Sorry, work, work and stay connected like everything depends on you, but pray like everything depends on God. Finally, just a word from somebody who I'm growing to respect, and I hope that you do too, uh, just a small word that I think will be encouraging to us all. Got me? Uh -huh. Why he does that? So what, I'm, what we're doing is we're exposing the agenda. Um, uh, Dennis Prager is getting ready to tell you what, what he would say to graduating college students. I think some of the challenge of the previous way of doing it is they like to surprise you with a good uh, exclamation point on the end of the sentence. But I think the value that's coming in this generation, we want to know what you're going to say, then tell us, and then tell us what, what you say. Is that good? So I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to you. Ready? Go. My dear college graduates, you have hopefully acquired a great deal of knowledge here over these past years. But in life, knowledge is considerably less important than wisdom. Here then are five ideas for your life. One, the greatest struggle in your life should not be, and in fact is not, with society. It is with yourself. This idea taught by every great religion is not taught today. Instead, we're taught that we have to battle society, its sexism, racism, prejudices, and its other flaws. The overwhelming temptation is therefore to see whatever problems you have as coming from society, not from within yourself. But in a free and decent society such as ours, it is our own flawed human nature not a flawed society. That is our biggest problem. Two, use your common sense. For example, when you hear the words studies show outside of the natural sciences, and you find that these studies show the opposite of what common sense suggests, be very skeptical. I don't recall ever coming across a valid study 
that contravened common sense. For example, I was told when I was in college that studies show that boys and girls are not inherently different, that they differ only because parents raise them in a sexist manner. This was nonsense then, and it is even more nonsensical now since we have brain scans that show how different the male and female brains are. Three, race is unimportant. You've been taught that it's very important, but it isn't. The color of people's skin is as trivial as the color of their hair. Be guided by the idea of Viktor Frankl, the Jewish psychiatrist who suffered the horrors of a Nazi death camp and whose family was gassed. After the Holocaust, he was asked, do you hate the German race? No, he replied, I don't. There are only two races, the decent and the indecent. Remember that truism and you can never be a racist. Four, beware of good intentions. The 20th century was the bloodiest and cruelest century on record. Why? Not because so many more people were bad, but because so many people believed in bad ideas. Most Nazis and communists in their time and Islamic terrorists in our time were not, are not necessarily sadists. They were normal people who believed in bad ideas. So here's a quick way to measure if an idea is good. Do not, I repeat, do not ask if it feels good or if it has good intentions. Ask, will it do good? Will it make people kinder and more ethical? Will it encourage responsible behavior? Has it been tried before? And if so, what were the results? What matters is how you act. If you do something bad, it is not important that you meant well. And if you do something good, it doesn't matter if you did it for quote-unquote selfish reasons. So spend much less time monitoring your motives and far more time monitoring your actions. Five, Judeo-Christian values are the real counterculture today. Many people think that dressing weird or having their body tattooed or pierced is a statement of individuality or strength or rebellion against the dominant culture. Not true. The ultimate statement of counterculture and individual strength in America today is to take the God of Judaism and Christianity seriously. If you want to be an individual and to be strong, affirm a higher value system that enables you to say no to the prevailing culture. When you know to whom you are accountable, and when you march to the beat of that higher drummer, you will lead a more peaceful, happy, and good life. Good luck to all of you. I'm Dennis Prager. It's good, huh? Just uh, Google Prager you and you'll be able to, to get a bunch of videos just like that. Um, what I love to do is uh, parents stay in your seats because this is what you're about to do. Uh, if I could have uh, especially all of our students come stand across from me and uh, get up and come to the, yep, there you go. And then if I could have the, um, uh, some of Bishop Johnson, Lady Carolyn's team to stand behind and one somebody, if you would. 
stand behind one of them. Yep, that means that. Yep, thank you, sir. I appreciate your good, 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 good. Oh, yeah, I'm so glad you're coming. I was going to ask you anyway. So make sure, Ed, you did? Oh, no. So make sure everybody has, there we go. Uh-uh, uncle, let's find somebody else, homeboy. That's good. She can stand. There we go. Good, good, good. Good, good, good. Good, good, good. What'd you do? Oh, mom. She was talking about mom. Sorry. All right. You'll look back from these days and you will measure a distinct difference and shift in your life. Graduation means you, you leave a phase of your life and you step into the next. It's involved with time, but more than that, it's, it's involved with relationships and with God. And we're going to pray for you today. I was watching you as you were listening to what Pastor Tiffany was saying. Some of you, was, it was really bothering you inside because you've already been exposed to some of the very things she exposed as a lie. Sometimes the Lord has to work on you because you, it may have been indoctrinated. You're not, you're not even thinking about it. But you receive it, and then it becomes challenged. It's challenged. See, the, the nonsense, the nonsense of making male and female the same, the stupidity, the ignorance, the foolishness, in the name of intelligence and education. See, inside, you already know. You give attention to your feelings more than you give attention to what the word of the Lord says. It's, it makes, it make, you have to humble yourself. Every, all the other philosophies and the wokeism puffs up yourself. Paul the apostle said, knowledge puffs up. But love, it builds up. I am not saying that you, sh you don't need knowledge. Certainly, Get understanding, as the scripture says, with all you're getting. But you need more than just information. You need more than facts. Because you know, you and I know, already know, you can skewer the facts and interpret them differently. So we need to know him. While you're becoming skillful in the field that God is preparing you for, while you're becoming knowledgeable, more than that, you need him. When we lay our hands on you today. Stand up, church, and stretch your hands toward these that are, are being sent into the culture, being sent into the schools of education. Stand up, beloved moms and dads and brothers and sisters and cousins. Stretch your hands towards them. They'll look back and they'll understand how important today really is. God to give you that standard inside of you so that when you hear what you hear, you weigh it by the standard in, that's already built inside of you. And when it's foolishness and, they have, and you have to regurgitate the foolishness, you can regurgitate the foolishness to get the grade, but understand in your spirit that is a lie. And that's different. For that spiritual. Put in your hands upon them. Raise your voice. Give us some music. If you thank you for the music, raise your hands, saints, as you stretch it forth. Begin to pray out of your mouth in the name of Jesus.